You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 140, recorded February 12th, 2022. Topic for this episode. Yeah, you, you, you guessed it. It's the Witch Queen, Savathun. <laughs> I'm, I'm your host this time, Kai Melanist. Hi, I'm Orchid. And we got some podcast info. We encourage feedback that can be sent to us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore at hey it's orchid or at I underscore am underscore elemist. You can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. And when you do, let us know about it. We like reading them. Or you can jump into our Discord. The invite is down in the episode description, but if you want to type it all out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. And if you're feeling generous, please, you can donate to us on our Ko-Fi. That's ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Any little bit helps. Thank you. Uh, you can find our info on thelordnetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. We're still there. There it is. Mm-hmm. Rindle needs to come up with a new, like, ding specifically for that. Uh, I'm sure he will eventually. Yeah. What the hell are you two on about? I've been using this sound. We're still there. So, this week at Gardens of Lore, the Twoggle, we took last week off. Things just didn't line up, and we just couldn't get around to recording. So It's okay. You can blame me. I had a lot of work, and I didn't get home until like 9 o'clock on Monday, and we didn't record over the weekend, so. I was going to uh, be kind and maybe. say, you know, it was both of us, but, you know, sure, let's throw it the blame. Was uh, it was pretty much just me. So Sure, let's throw the blame. Thank you. I'll take the blame on this one. So we have two different TWABs that we're going to be covering, and we are going very lightly through them. So the TWAB from February 3rd, it included topics about weapon crafting. Essentially, you get weapons with the new red border. You use them to harvest the perks for future use. Um, there are going to be two missions that walk you through the entire process. And those will be free to all. I'm pretty excited about this, actually. Like, being able to craft all of your weapons is very neat. Oh, yeah. Like, reading this entire twat was really beefy and, like, very dense. But very neat. I'm still very having cool. a hard time actually grasping the system itself. Me too. But that's just because I'm, I'm more of a do-it-yourself-and-learn kind of person. Or see it in action. Right. Instead of a read about it. Yeah. And and think about how it's actually going to look in your head. Right. Yeah. I think also it's just really hard to get a new entire system like on a page and try to explain it when they can't show us how it works either. Right. So. And, and that's exactly it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last topic for that TWAB was weapon tuning. Uh, they did mention a bunch of tuning for the upcoming sandbox. But the two topics that I specifically wanted to point out are the origin traits and the foundry traits. So origin traits are going to be perks that are related to the playlists the weapons are obtained from. So like strikes, gambit, trials, that kind of stuff. The foundry traits are going to be perks that are related to the foundry that made the weapon. So Suros, Omelon, Hake. I'm excited about those. I really like that idea. It's kind of a callback to Destiny 1 where there were more traits that were related to the actual foundry of the weapons. Right. So, because we kind of lost that in translation when we got to Destiny 2. Right. The Taken King came out and they were like, hey, foundry weapons. And then... Yeah, exactly. Nothing for years. <laughs> Absolutely nothing for years. I mean, we have, there's a couple weapons. There's exotics that have, that have foundry traits. Well, and, and even then, like, we still had actual weapons specifically from foundries, but it was just. Right. They lost that, that uniqueness. Right. I mean, they have the unique look, but they they lost those traits over the years. So I'm really excited that we have the chance to have those foundry traits back. Yeah. So this will be really great that this is kind of bringing the best of Destiny 1 weapons into Destiny 2, especially for people who never got to experience that as players. So um, this is this is really awesome news. Exactly. At least for people who've played for many, many years. So for those of us that that did play Destiny 1 and read that, we a lot of us got really excited about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, we're like, oh, yeah, I recognize this. <laughs> and, and, and I was excited about it, too, because mm-hmm. some of my favorite weapons from D1 were from the foundries. Like Soros weapons. I mean, I had I had raid weapons and trials weapons that were awesome. And I loved using them, but my favorite weapons were all from like Suros or Omelon. Yeah, I love Suros weapons. I'm really excited to get oh my, my hands God, back yeah. on those. So I'm I'm really stoked for this. I can't wait. Um, and you know me, I'm a huge weapons nerd. So uh, I'm excited to see like what all this is going to this actually might get me back into playing like a lot more Destiny than I've been playing this past like couple of seasons. Right. So. Well, although part of your reasoning is also medical. Yeah. But I mean, I they've actually been. They've been working on that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so that was February 3rd. And mm-hmm. the club from February 10th. <gasps> I'm so excited. They introduced the whole Void 3.0. And essentially, it's the stasisification of the Void subclasses. Like, we're getting aspects, fragments. It's going to be fun. They're making it really confusing. I'm going to be diving in in that first week. Like, all I'm going to be using is Void, just so that I can figure it out. Yes. And I will be doing that by playing the Legendary Campaign. Yes. It's got some sweet rewards. So... 
completing all the missions on Legendary will award players with the following. An emblem, a triumph that's required for the newest seal, a set of gear at 1520 power level, eight upgrade modules, and one of the new Witch Queen exotic armor pieces. Each mission will have contest on, so your power is going to be capped. If you're looking to feel how it's going to be for a day one raid, that is going to be the perfect way to do it. Contest mode is no joke. As a reminder, contest mode will kick your ass. Yep. The, this is this has been an orchid reminder. Right. Contest is seriously going to kick ass. Like it's it's you are going to get hit and have half your HP just gone. You're going to stub your toe on a rock and wonder why you died. Heck, turn your head, hit a wall and you're going to end up wondering why you're at one HP. Like it's you're going to feel like you're you're just outmatched. It's going to be a good way to to prep for the raid. Uh, and then in the TWAB, there was also a preview of new exotics. Uh, I'm, there's two for each class. I believe one for each class is stasis-based, and then one is other. Um, so if you want to go check it out, it's in the TWAB for February 10th. Uh, 2022 do you mean the armor ones and then like the glaive it's the armor ones because each okay because i know each class gets their own glaive yes exotic each class is going to get their own glaive which is cool that you craft yeah but no they they went into detail about six exotic armor pieces that you know it's two per class one is stasis one is any of the other three classes mm. like it, it's it's uh, for like titan it's there's one that's dealing with sunspots for warlock i think it's it's dealing with um it's like two grenades that's the stasis one. Oh yeah yeah the non-stasis one turns your empowering rift into essentially empowering healing rift light oh cool uh and then for hunter uh, it's something about the Arkstrider Super itself. I didn't quite understand that one, but if you want to go read about them, they're in the TWAB. And then there was also a Vidoc. The Vidoc came out. The Vidoc was huge. I got excited about it. Like it, it. I feel excited for Witch Queen now. For a while, I was kind of on the fence about whether it was going to be like I was hoping it was going to be good, but I wasn't leaning towards that. But now I'm I'm certain. I am excited. I I'm very excited for Witch Queen. I was excited before, but I really appreciated that they put a bunch of their like producers and creators and um, designers in the Vidoc to talk about the work that they do. Yeah, and um, it was nice to see like familiar faces and people talking about their work and they're just as excited as we are. 
And I know from people that I know that work there, they've all played it already in testing and they are all very excited to share it because they're like bursting at the seams to talk about it. So <laughs> they're like, is it here yet? Is it here yet? Can we talk about it yet? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Oh, like, no. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. Like they're obviously like very proud of their work. So I'm so excited for them. I'm I'm excited about the entire experience. I can't. It's gonna be so. I can't wait to play it. I can't wait to play it. I'm I'm so excited. And and the best part of the Bidoc Bidoc and the worst part, honestly, was David Samuel. Why? He did one sound effect, but nothing else. I was like, I I expect more. I expect more grand stuff. Well, no. He's the guy that in every Vidoc he does these these really awesome sound effects as he's like talking about something. Okay. I I don't. I don't okay. <laughs> I'll I'll have to send it to you. Yeah, you'll just you're going to have to wait until the game to hear more sound effects. Nope. So, anyway, Orchid, what did you do this past week? Played Os. Os? I yeah. I played Osu. That's all I did. I didn't hear the ooh in Osu. So I was like, what the fuck is Os? Because it's technically pronounced Os. Uh, I just pronounce it like a Chad. Uh, also, it's the it's the Mania 7K finals. So I watched that on Twitch. That's going on this weekend. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So the, that World Cup is exciting to watch. They're so good. Okay. That's pretty much what I did. What about you? I finished all my prep for Witch Queen, and that included finishing those stupid fucking Ada simp bounties. Wow. Oh, I played Halo, too. I sat there for two days grinding it on Warlock. Oh, don't sound so depressed when you play Warlock. Warlock is fun. I don't hate Warlocks. I just hate my Warlock. My warlock is derpy. Oh, I think it's just the person like playing the warlock. It's not the warlock. Well, yeah, I think it's just you. But the warlock is an extension of me. Oh, so you're derpy. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Oh, wow. you're so combative today. No, that's just you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I, I played Pokemon. Like, I, I needed something to actually relax. Now, are you playing the newest, newest Pokemon? Yes. Or are you playing... Okay. Legends Arceus. Like, Pokemon... I was, I was going to say Pokemon Breath of the Wild, but... It's more like Monster Hunter. Pokemon Monster Hunter? Because it's, it's not Breath of the Wild where it's one huge map. It's five or six small maps. Oh, okay. And each of those maps, it's it's Breath of the Wild. It's like you can just go all over, but it's you have to specifically go to the map that you want to explore. Oh, I didn't know how it worked. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. That makes more sense. Yeah, I get it. No, and it's it's fun. Like I'm enjoying myself. I just 
like today and got to the uh the big main story beat. Mm. That's what I'm gonna be doing after we finish recording until my team gets together for flawless raid attempts. Oh, well that's that's fun. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm I just play Osu with one of my destiny friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that works. I have destiny friends that play the game, so that works. Yeah. We're not playing destiny, we play that. So yeah. it's a good time. You know what else is a good time? This lore network ad? Absolutely. Oh man, I'm so good at this. It's like I've done podcasting before. Wait, hold on a second. Let me double check the timing. Oh, holy shit! It happened! A twoggle in less than 20 minutes! The Lore Network. Even in the darkest of places, the light will always find a way through. If you're like me, then perhaps you're looking for a more in-depth conversation about Destiny lore. Welcome back, Guardians. My name is Samlab, and I craft bite-sized cinematic lore videos. So join me each week as I journey through some of Destiny's greatest mysteries. You can find me on youtube.com forward slash Samlab. Stay safe and Godspeed. That was so good. Are you going to say something about your ear balls? No. Why would I? Oh, did you get those fixed? Why would I? Because you always do. <laughs> <sighs> Brief intro to the topic. God. This episode is going to cover Savathun's story as far as we know. Because we're covering so much of for her overall story, we're going to be summarizing the lore that pertains to her story. Summarizing yep. all of it. Yep. So I am going to be going all the way back to the Taken King. The year whatever that was. Year forever ago. Year two. Oh my God. Year two of Destiny 1. Holy shit. Yep. I feel old. That was six years ago. Fuck. Don't tell me that. Well, now that I feel that old. We were just talking about like Shadow Keep being two years ago. And I was the one who pointed out it was 28 months ago. Thanks. Oh, God. Why would you do that? Why would you do I wore my Shadow Keep shirt yesterday. <laughs> oh, that shirt is old now. It's well worn with love. Okay. So the Books of Sorrow details the beginnings of the Hive as told from Oryx's perspective. So Savathun is originally Sathona, and she takes the Mother Morph and changes her name to Savathun. Uh, when given the worm, the siblings are told to live by their natures, and Savathun's nature is the nature of cunning. Uh, she accompanies her siblings for millennia, uh, only to disappear into a black hole with a gift Oryx gave her, uh, which we know as Coria Blade Transformed. Uh, if you remember, we've seen Coria before. We killed it. We killed it. <laughs> what up? <laughs> totally just, you know, badass chads that we are. Um, outside the Books of Sorrow, there are some references to her. Bower 
Balor, one of the tier three bosses in the Court of Oryx, is a daughter of Savathun. Kruger? I think that's how you Kruger, say it. Um, Kruger. God, I don't know how to pronounce these words. Uh, an ogre tier three boss in the Court of Oryx was touched by Savathun. Naughty. Malak, <laughs> pride of Oryx, was originally a son of Savathun, who later was taken by Oryx. And Malak was introduced in the April update. Oh, okay. That was when they they introduced the whole like small little quest that you've chased after him. Oh, okay. I remember that. Right. It, like it was such a small thing that it was just kind of. That's like totally an aside kind of thing. <laughs> right. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, Malak was but... one of Savathun's sons like it's it's right yeah i'll be covering all the references from d2 year one mm -hmm. uh, in vanilla d2 we had on titan the planet titan not the class uh we had the strike savathun song the boss was a shrieker that was a remote camera for savathun essentially mm -hmm. on io there are a lot of different ghost scans. There's excavation site two, number two, excavation site two, number three, giant scar, lost oasis, number three, terror base, Karen, number four, and the wraith mines, number three. All of them mention something whispering or looking through taken blights. Uh, the terror base, Karen, number four, uh, ghost scannable mentions a repeating of syllables sa va thun ghost scan the rupture number four our ghost says i don't think the taken will go without a leader for long someone will try and take over but when they do we'll be there to stop them and we didn't of course we didn't uh in the <laughs> in the story mission when do we ever do that <laughs> Right? Lol. In the story mission Sacrilege, the final boss, Irausk, Herald of Savathun, was opening a portal. We stopped it. Uh, there was an adventure called Unexpected Guests. The final boss, Iraz, Eye of Savathun, came through a portal. There were some transcripts actually in the mission. Argos says, uh, Hey, team, the screaming thing from the abyss is dead. Ikora replies, That creature was the servant of some higher power. I fear something has claimed Oryx's crown. There was a quest called Dynasty, and there was a step called Premeditation. The quest's boss, Ur-Arak, Tongue of Quiria, summons a boss for this mission. Ladiox, beloved of Quiria. And there's more transcripts. Our ghost says, Ikora, I think we found the Taken Knight behind all of this. He got away, but we're tracking him now. Ikora responds with, That creature had the sense to retreat? Strange. Mind your step. We believed only Oryx, the Taken King, had the power to take his enemies and transform them. 
I fear we may have been wrong. And then in that same quest, the final step, which is the long play, it's the mission where essentially we kill Ur Arak, Tongue of Quiria. There was nothing in Curse of Osiris, but in Warmind, on Mars, there was an adventure called Deathly Tremors. The transcript for that adventure is as follows. Our ghost says, It's a signal amplifier. They're calling something. I got a fragment of the message. Savathun, emerge from the deep. Take our power. So, going back all the way to Savathun's song, there was... There was a interactive trailer that Bungie came out with this past week. Yep. That mentioned Savathun's song and how that could have been a way that Savathun got her hands on the light as like a a side. And I hadn't really put that together in my mind, even though I should have, having done it 82 times for Duty Bound. Well, the number of I know all the words to that strike because I've done it <laughs> 11 billion times. Like I can recite that strike word for word because I've done it so many times. Well, and like I didn't think about it <laughs> like, either. Like, yeah, as as much as as you and I have done it, like we just didn't make that connection because it seemed like she wasn't even in the system at that point. Right. But some of the higher up hive on Titan could have pulled the light and saved some of it for her. Exactly. Although let's be real. There were more crystals in there than there were guardians. Mm hmm. That feeling when you run a strike and your KD against other guardians is higher in that strike than in crucible matches. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. It's really depressing. Isn't it? it is. Like, why is my KD 17 in this? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. But that was a really good point um, that they made in the. Uh, interactive trailer that Savathun's song could have had something to do with it because I just didn't think about it. I don't know how true that could be, but if they said something about it, it must have something to do with it. Why would they say it otherwise? I'm wondering about that that fire team of nine. Right. Where did their ghosts go? I, that is all. Oh, that's a good question. I never thought about that. Because, like, we always talked about the Guardians themselves and, and the light that they possessed, but never the conduit through which they channel that light. We never talked about the ghosts. Oh, shit. We never thought about that. Right. That never even occurred to me. It didn't occur to me until, t like, five minutes ago. Like <laughs> We're always talking about the Guardians, the, the fire team of nine, because... Let's be real. A fire team of three can go kill a god, but a fire team of nine can't even destroy a security camera. I mean, if the ghosts also turned into fucking void light pillars, then that would make up for the rest of them. It would. But yeah, I, I don't know, because typically the ghosts are in. It's it's very evident that this fire team of nine were not playing like the Iron Lords, where like they were covering each other and suppressing fire so that others could revive. Yeah, but I don't know. I just I found it 
interesting that that's just something I never even occurred to me. Yeah. Like in the in the many years that we had that strike, it never occurred to me once. Well, and and it wasn't even something to consider until the Witch Queen, like it, the expansion Witch Queen, because up until then we just knew that the hive feasted on life but now it's like maybe that's where she actually got it not only that but i am interested to see like in one of the trailers the first thing we do is like they talked about in the vidoc the moral dilemma of us squishing one of their ghosts in our hands because we have our own and like, why would we do this? You know, right. Because it's our companion, but for them, it's like, it's channeling their light and it's their conduit to their light, but we can't have that. And so it's that kind of struggle. So for this, it's like, I want to know what their relationship is with their ghosts. And I don't know if we're actually going to get that. In the story. I hope that we do for at least one or two of the Hive. I do too. Like some of the higher ups, sure. Or maybe that's part of the seasonal content. Because at this point, the, the we got confirmation that Season of the Risen is going to be a, a continuation of the actual expansion into other worlds. Oh, I'm excited. That'll be great. Right. So Savathun's vehicle was a thing that I didn't even <laughs> consider. Right. I'm saying that for people who don't know, the giant shriekers are listed as vehicles, like, in-game for some reason. Yep, that, that's why I was like, laughing. Like, they're treated as vehicles, so. <laughs> that's why I was laughing. I don't Because I knew exactly where you were going. Yeah. Savathun's vehicle. It's just a truck. <laughs> Do you remember doing these ghost scans on IO? I did a few of them, but they were way long ago. And I just, I, I know I did them because reading through them, I was like, oh, that, that line sounds very familiar, but it's just, I cannot place them. <laughs> I remember doing most of them before IO left. Yeah. Because um, I made a point of doing everything I could before IO left and before Titan left. Yeah. I just, that was the kind of person I was that I was like, oh, it's leaving. I better do everything. <laughs> but I do remember um, because the Taken were there and there was a lot of like Taken based activities and adventures and everything before yeah. a lot of them got vaulted. That especially, uh, what's his fucking name? Asher. Yeah, Asher was like very obsessed with. You couldn't remember me, assistant. I know. Sorry. For shame. I know. There's a lot of it. Was he was very obsessed with like looking through the taken blights and stuff. I do remember that. Asher was very interested in poking his nose where it didn't belong to learn. Yes, that's. I like that about him. I think that's a good quality. And then whenever he would get into a situation, he himself couldn't handle he would call us in yeah yeah i actually miss him i miss him too i miss him a lot i enjoyed his character i did too i know a lot of people that didn't i really liked his character i really liked him when he tried to make 
the light and it like flung us into the air <laughs> and there was like light balls everywhere in that one adventure. That was a good memory. That was a lot of fun. And you're literally just having to catch those balls. Yeah. It was so fun. You can whip out your hammer. You whip out your super and then like kill a bunch of Taken. It was super fun. It it was fun. It was, it was a fun. fun adventure. I liked it. Yeah. And then in Warmind, oh God, Deathly Tremors. Yeah. Oh no. That was essentially a mission where you had to go around and destroy a bunch of hive antenna a bunch of hive machines that were broadcasting and it led you through that ice cave leading back to where you originally start the warmind campaign out in that that area you had to fight like one or two ogres and a couple knights a couple acolytes like it was a small troop i remember actually hearing the transcript for that and i was like oh that's the next big one and looking back at it i'm like oh god i was so naive it only took five years to get there all the gameplay i see of it are just people using mountaintop that was the time mountaintop came out everyone's using it man i miss mountaintop well it mountaintop came out afterward it's just it was still good. Why would you use anything else? <laughs> and you wouldn't. And that exactly is why it's now sunset. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. I got year two. Yes, let's. Forsaken. As a reminder, Forsaken is going away in a couple of weeks. Actually, by the time this gets posted, it should be like four days from now. Oh, shit. Better play it. So in season four, actual forsaken time, Savathun commanded Riven of a Thousand Voices to influence Aldrin Sav, causing the entire forsaken campaign. <laughs> Lol. She was behind the Dreaming City curse using Riven and Quoria to create a, the three-week time loop and increasing infection of the Dreaming City location. Duel and Karu... Uh, the daughter of Savathun is the final boss of the Shattered Throne dungeon. If you've never done Shattered Throne, you should definitely do it. It's super fun. It is. Uh, Savathun, uh, it's so great. It's just like chef's kiss. Uh, Savathun also sends us six messages that had messages hidden within. In the original messages, she portrays herself as Eris and um, an AI known as Medusa. These messages also contain a hallucination and some entries from Savathun's own Books of Sorrow. We have proof that the lore book, Truth to Power, is full of lies because Fenchurch investigated the messages in an entry from the lore book, Stolen Intelligence, which was released during Season of the Drifter, which was Season 6. Um, in Season of Opulence, Season 7... Uh, season of the Sweetmeats, uh, Savathun planted the crown of sorrow in Callus's possession. Um, this was specifically enchanted to cause the wearer to lose their mind. Um, poor Calron. <laughs> um, just a big baby, only a few days old when we killed him. Yep. Oh, look at the little baby. Uh. And now look at the big baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, poor baby. 
Just pet him on the head, poor baby. I was not a fan of that raid. No. But I got good at it. Ended up flawless running it like three times. Wow. Right? I'm impressed. Right? I'm super impressed. It's because we had, I think, seven or eight people who wanted to do the flawless run. Mm-hmm. And so we got one team going through it. We swapped one person out, swapped one person in, ran through it again, like same night. Mm-hmm. Two flawless runs back to back. Holy shit. Look at you. Uh, and then we ended up doing the last flawless run a day or two later for one last person. Oh, my God. Like, it was just, I was not a fan of the raid, mm-hmm. but I got good at it. <laughs> right. So, this Savathun, like, caused all of Forsaken, essentially. Yes. Um, this is, like, a very big deal. This isn't, like, small peepee things. Right. Like, like, she is the reason the Awoken have such turmoil in the Dreaming City. She is the reason we have Crow, if you really want to, like, go back that far. And she's the reason why we don't have Cade. Yeah. Gotta say, on that subject, um, yeah, Alamist, I know that you've really, really been wanting to take out Savathun for ages, but, um, yeah, she killed my vanguard, so, um, sorry to say, I think you're gonna have to get in line. Like... Those three things right there prove that she is easily one of our worst enemies. Mm-hmm. Like, she's manipulated things so much that, like, she's moved mountains to get her way. Yep. Essentially, she was trying to turn the Dreaming City's curse into an infinite murder battery so that it would just keep feeding her worm. Mm-hmm. So that she didn't have to, to go out and murder. Yeah. She, I mean, she still would, but she didn't have to. I mean, it's very clever. It is. It didn't work. No. But, you know, like, do something so you don't have to actually murder, so you don't have to feed your worm. Right. Because that's the whole drawback of the worms in the first place, is that... The more power you give them, or the larger they grow, the more you have to feed them. But if you don't feed them, they'll kill you. So you can't be passive with them. You have to continue to feed them. Yep. And the, this isn't like a don't play the game kind of thing. And and the more you feed them, the hungrier they get. So then you have yeah. to go do more. And it's it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. That's what you have to do to keep your darkness powers. I don't. Can they live without their worms? We'll find out soon enough. Because I know that the agreement was made, but I don't know if they can live without the worms as like a race. Because at this point, like, I don't know how they're actually born. Whether it's. They're born in eggs. Yeah, but like I thought. But like is it the protohive that are born and then they're given a worm or it, are they born with the worm in them already? Is it like a stargate thing where they have like a pouch and then they like have the worm put in them? No idea. 
And, and like, honestly, I don't want the answer. <laughs> I want the answer. Like, I need the answer. But like, that determines how the actual, like that, that, that determines it is how are they actually born? Has the proto hive actually evolved to the point that they need that symbiosis from conception? Or is it something that is instilled on baby proto hive? Kind of like a circumcision as a, a baby. You know, it, it's something that's just kind of forced upon the kid. Or are just like baby worms just crawling around and then they just find a hive and like crawl inside like a fucking Buick. Like they're just getting in a vehicle and now they're in their like meat mech. <laughs> just piloting their meat mech. So like how much like autonomy do the hive really have if they're like if the worms are really the meat mech pilots? Like, are we really fighting the worms and not the hive at this point? Well, as we've seen with Savathun, like, she's still trying to fight that worm. Right. So they still have some agency. It's not just the worm that drives them. It's like if the mech suit had an AI as well. Mm-hmm. The AI piloted things, but the pilot could still fuck things up. Mm. right it, there's there's so much about the actual hive biology that we just don't know and that is very telling of the actual relationship between the host and the worm yeah it's frustrating that we don't know because at this point like for all we know it could be true symbiosis where they both need each other the proto-hive has been infested for millions of years. They could have evolved to need that dependency. We just don't know. Yeah. Like, going back down this list and looking at um, what else we have, looking at truce to power and <laughs> stolen intelligence from the six messages that Savathun sent us, it's interesting that she like tried to pass her off, pass herself off as heiress because she's, she's a trickster. Right. Yeah. And we almost bought it for a while. A lot of people did. Yeah. To the point that like, there was something in one of the entries about being level nine, nine, nine and solo soloing the shattered throne. And someone did it. Yeah. Season of that. Undying, Glad yep. walked somebody through it. And it was at that point that Bungie actually released a small, like, little snippet that essentially it was just like, oh, I tricked you, ha ha ha. But yeah. it was something that I, I can only guess. The narrative team was like, oh shit, the fans are doing what? Because of what? We need to do something real quick. <laughs> yeah. they. I think they probably sat at work and were like, panic. <laughs> right. There was a, an hour of panic, panic. And then they were like, wait, we could just do up a paragraph. Yeah. Because they released it the next day. Yeah. But yeah, Season of Undying, somebody ground out their artifact 
so that it gave them enough of a, a plus that it got them to 999. And I don't remember what the actual cap was at that point because it I think it was hundreds of levels. I don't remember how they did it, but I remember they were really, really high level. Oh, wait, no. It wasn't an artifact. We didn't have that yet. No, no, no. It Did we? Because the whole, like, solo flawless level 999 thing was during Season of Undying, Shadowkeep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had artifacts. Yeah. We, I, I don't think it was hundreds of levels, though, because... Season of Opulence ended at power level 750. Yeah. And I think we gained 100, 150 levels with, with Shadowkeep. I, I don't remember. Anyway, long story short, this person ground out all, all kinds of levels on the artifact, went in, did Shadow the Throne solo, and then the narrative team had, had to actually create a response from Savathun about it. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most unique things that I had seen. I remember that, though. Right. Like, it was such a big deal. Everyone was talking about it. Yeah. And I remember all my friends being like, yeah, the curse on the Dreaming City is going to be lifted because this guy's doing it. I'm like, you realize that entry was written by Savathun, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, good luck there. Anyway, do you want to move on to Shadowkeep now that we're talking about it? Absolutely. So this was D2, year three, the Shadowkeep year. Uh, so Shadowkeep accompanied season eight, season of Undying. The title theme was done in the tune of what we now know as Savathun's song. The moon is made of cheese song. Exactly. Uh, there was a strike that was introduced in Shadowkeep called the Festering Core. The strike was about the Taken infesting and controlling a Vex core on Io. Uh, there's a snippet of a transcript here. So our ghost says, We killed the Taken commander and secured the central sphere. I think the Vex can handle the rest. Eris responds with, Savathun is gathering her strength, Zavala. If we hope to survive what's to come, we must prepare. Zavala responds with, We defeated Oryx. If Savathun wants a fight, she'll get one. And Eris responds with, She is not as foolhardy as her brother. She would never risk a direct confrontation. We will know her next move only when she makes it, and only if we are wise enough to recognize it. Savathun also caused some infighting among the Scarlet Swarm. And that's the, the hive on the moon. Uh, it included some body-swapping hijinks. And that was all in Inquisition of the Damned. The, the lore book, Inquisition of the Damned. Uh, season of Dawn, which is Season 9. So the season right after all that. After saving Saint we found out that Shax, quote, overheard, unquote, Eris singing about the moon being made of cheese. That's my favorite part. The song that, oh, right. Like, that mission was amazing. It was literally just drop into this crucible map, find a bunch of things, and then just listen to Saint and Shax. 
It was so wholesome. It's literally my favorite part of the entire year was that mission. That season. It was so wholesome and so good. That season was my favorite the entire year. Season of Dawn was so good. It was so good. Like the entire season was so good. It was well, and like it was the the small reprieve that we needed from all the shitstorm that was just headed our way. Like it was, it was so well written. It was there wasn't as much urgency as there is today. It was just, it was so fun. Also, that was the season where I'm like. Osiris and Saint are married and they're together and no one can fight me about that. I called it. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Yeah, you called it a year and a half ago. I called it immediately. And then Bungie's like, yeah, actually, they are totally a thing. And I'm like, fuck all of you. Mic drop. Because you wouldn't risk breaking the entire universe for a drinking buddy. No. You don't do it for a roommate. You do it for like the love of your life. So everyone who's like, they're just friends. I'm like, no, they're not. Like, get wrecked. Just putting it out there. But anyways, Shax's song was done in the the tune of Savathun's song. Uh, In Season of Arrivals, Season 11, so two seasons later, there was web lore uh, that was released called False Idols. Nocris is resurrected again and pledges himself to Savathun. We found out in the Prophecy Dungeon that Dark Relics are all humming Savathun's song. Eris knows the song well enough that she asked Drifter if it sounded like something she hummed. Like, she actually hummed the tune. And Drifter was like, yeah, that's that's how it sounded. And she's like, oh, it's Savathun's song. Creepy. Right. Um, all throughout the season, we had weekly missions called the Interference Missions. Uh, the pyramid ships were had arrived, and they were trying to communicate with us. Eris was decrypting them, but Savathun was interfering with the transmissions themselves. About a third of the way through the season the ships gave us a present called Ruinous Effigy. And we used Ruinous Effigy to destroy Savathun eyes that were all around the soon-to-be vaulted planets. The last bit for that season, there was Traveler's Chosen, the exotic sidearm. In the actual lore entry, she takes the form of Osiris and wanders around the tower. I think at the time we didn't really understand, did we? No. Like, we knew it was Savathun. We just didn't know who she turned into. Right. Or what she turned into. Or why. Right. Now we do. We do now. But, like... Seeing how all this has kind of progressed over the years, like as this moves on and like seeing it all unfold. Right. Is uh, so frustrating. (laughs) The fact that they've they've kept this kind of momentum for a character that's working in the background, like she's been a major villain 
and we have yet to actually see her true face in game. Right. Like we see her crystal prison, but that's about it. Right. And she's been a major villain for at this point three years. I mean, she's annoyed you since the beginning of Destiny. Because <laughs> people have just blamed her for everything. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not with him. Whenever, oh, it's not with whenever him. anything even remotely looked like it wasn't what it seemed to be, people just chalked it up to sabotage. Right. And that's what frustrated me, was the fact that everything is not her. Uh-huh. I mean, it, from reading this list, it sure as fuck looks like it. <laughs> so you're you're not making your case with this list, Alamist. You're the one who made this list. Shut up. <laughs> not me. He made these show notes. But no, like there were there were barely mentions in year one. That was three different seasons. Okay. In Forsaken, yeah, the actual campaign in Forsaken was her. But everything else in that year wasn't up until the Crown of Sorrow raid. Like, that one thing specifically is her. So that was three other seasons that weren't. And people were still chalking things up to her. And then Shadowkeep, literally, it's a strike and infighting that she caused. And then Season of Dawn, it was literally Shaq sing a song that happened to be in the tune of what is her song. So, like, from the Crown of Sorrow, there were four seasons, three or four seasons, that she wasn't a cause of anything in-game. But people were still attributing things to her the entire time. That is what I have a problem with. I I didn't think of it that way, that contributing things to her actually does give her power because she's like, yes, like, it's totally me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess like being kind of like the trickster gives her that power, gives her that ability. That's really frustrating. I see that. I see that point now that regardless of what she does she can put that rumor out, you know, through whatever channels that she has. She probably has a network just like just like Ikora does at this point with whatever magic she has. She doesn't even have to do anything. I know. She can just put the rumor out that she did it. She, she doesn't have to do shit. <laughs> it can totally be someone else. For years, she didn't even have to put the rumor out herself. Yeah, she didn't have to lift a finger. Like, she just let people know that she's the... the hive god of cunning and trickery like i'm i have a a head cannon that the only reason witch queen has developed the way it has is because the destiny community has attributed everything to her to the point that she's gained enough power that she's able to do this right so it's everyone's issue it's everyone's fault for making theories about her <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly with you now. I wasn't with you at the beginning, but, you know, I'm on Team Elemist at this point. <laughs> like, screw this. <laughs> and, and, like, this is why I'm, I'm, like, I am so ready to jump into Witch Queen and kill her. Like, I'm just, I'm done with it. 
Yeah, but you know what? Like, if you kill her, then she gets the light because then she'll be dead. So, I mean, be careful of what you wish for. Uh, not if I crush her ghost. No, be careful of what you wish for, dude. Like, careful of what you wish for. Just mm -mm. one step at a time. One step at a time. I will be her final death. She is 29 feet tall. Like, you think you're going to crush her. You are not that big. I will punch 29 her. 29 feet tall. 29 feet tall of mommy milkers. Just careful of what you wish for. I will punch her. You think you will. Think again. I will punch her. <laughs> no. You can't punch everything. Just can't punch everything. I'm a titan. That's a lie. That's not a <laughs> lie. That's can't punch everything. Um, I do like that you um included a little bit about Nocris in here. We're starting to see Nocris pop up again. Yep. Um, we kind of lost Nocris for a little while, and for a bit we thought maybe Nocris was involved with bringing with like resurrection and bringing things back, but Nocris has been kind of like peppered in through with Savathun as well because Nocris was also kind of he was outcasted from Oryx right exactly so I mean Nocris and Savathun are both kind of on the outs right yep so I mean who better to band together than people who are <laughs> you know both outcasts well and, and I, I think a lot of that for for Savathun is the fact that she sees that she can use him somehow. We don't know her plan. For all we know, the hive ghosts could be using hive necromancy. Yeah, we don't know yet because we haven't played the season yet. Right. We have no idea. Yeah. But for the most part, I think it's more of she saw an opportunity that she could use him somehow. Mm -hmm. Not so much like, you know, yeah, underdogs unite. But more of like, ooh, there's another tool I can have it under my belt. Right. Exactly. Should we move on to Beyond Light? Yep. Oh my gosh, we're here. We're here. This is this is now. This Holy is this shit. Year. This is this year. We've made it, guys. We survived. D2 year four. Here we are. Beyond Light. Uh season of the hunt was season 12. Uh, where Savathun, as Osiris, leads her guardian to the discovery of Crow, which started the chain of events for the year. She also presses the issue that he's a light bearer, so his past life is unknown to him. And this was kind of a really big moment of controversy for a lot of people, because we're all like, we know this motherfucker, like, <laughs> what? Um, Savathun is also hiding from the Black Fleet and Zivu Arath takes this opportunity to move in. Season of the Chosen, which was season 13, Savathun as Osiris advises Zavala with how to handle uh, Kayatal. That's how they pronounced it in the Vidoc. So that's how I'm going to pronounce it from now on. <laughs> it seems like they keep changing how it's pronounced. Apparently, this is what I saw on Twitter uh, as an aside, that it is based on um, an Aztec name. So Kayatal is actually the correct pronunciation. Okay. So I'm just going to run with it. 
We couldn't have gotten that like two or three years ago. Nope. Fuck. <laughs> I know. But you know what? Here we we finally arrived to the correct pronunciation. So. Oh fucking okay, time. It's all. I mean, yay. We made it. We finally made it. So we're here at uh Presage or Presage. <laughs> Um, she advises us during the mission while we hunt for Katavasis and the Crown of Sorrow. Honestly, like one of my favorite lore books and things to do in the game. Too bad I can't do it. Uh, it was revealed in the Empress lore book that Savathun led Umunarath, one of Kayatal's advisors, into opening a portal for Zivurath to come to Torobottle. Um, that is the Cabal's homeworld. Yep. Yes. Um... Season of the Splicer, which is season 14, Savathun as Osiris advised Ikora and Zavala about bringing the Elixni into the city. Elixni in the big city. She also staged the Endless Night using Coria to draw out any internal villains. Looking at you, Lakshmi, what up? Uh, Lakshmi was also singing a song to the tune of Savathun's song, um, or The Moon is Made of Cheese, depending on what title you want to give it. Stating that the people in the city were singing it as well. So now the song has now spread to all of the people. That's not worrying at all. Right. Everyone is now singing it. It's a banger. Um, season of the Lost, which is season 15. We're here. <laughs> We've arrived. This is modern now. <laughs> Current season. Current season. We're here. Seasons, season of the Lost, season 15. Modern. This season. Modern season. Um, Savathun reveals that she's been Osiris during the entire Beyond Light year and that the results of the year are because of her. What a bitch. The goal of the season is to rescue Tekyuns, those tech witches, so that we can exercise Savathun's worm. Okay, um, the exorcism still hasn't happened as of recording because they're probably going to do it 10 minutes before the next year starts. Actually, I've because Bungie, I've got a feeling I hope been, it's on Tuesday. I, I hope that it's on Tuesday. Watch them forget. Uh, Watch it start the next year and then they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we forgot something. <laughs> Everybody's sitting at that first boardroom after Witch Queen drops and like, I feel like we forgot something. <laughs> I feel like we forgot the epilogue. Fuck. No, they've been actually, um, we'll talk about this after I finish reading this, um, but Elma suspects there will be a Savathun trickery involved. So that is the current state of affairs. There's actually um, been, if you've been paying attention in the background in the astral alignment missions, yep. there's been a bridge that's been being built every single month as the astral alignment's been made. So everyone thinks that next week it'll have been built. Well, like it, it finalized this week. Yeah, so I mean, that probably has something to do with all of this. So it might open into something for the final week of this something, something. I don't know. Not going to lie, Bungie. Not as good as the uh, the pyramid light wall on the, the Warmind bunkers. Yeah, it wasn't very noticeable. The pyramid light wall was way cooler. Like... <laughs> 
pyramid light wall was the neatest. Right. But um, like it was a very subtle thing and it, it would have been cool if people noticed early on. Too subtle for me, but that's because I'm oblivious. Yeah, me too. But I had to be pointed out to me by other people. <laughs> they had to be like, look, Orchid, look at this thing. I was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't notice until now. <laughs> I saw the tweet with all the uh, the pictures that people have taken like throughout the months. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I totally noticed. Uh-huh. Sure. I noticed too. I did not notice at no, all I, until I someone pointed it out to me. They're like, do you notice this bridge now? And I'm like, okay. I had to be. What is this? I for? had to, to be shown because like, I just, I, I didn't notice. I'm so focused on the actual gameplay that I just never paid attention. I don't, I don't notice stuff. Unless I get distracted by other things. So anyway, um, going back to season 12. Um, 12? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, right. I'm just going back discussion. to the beginning and beyond light. Yeah. Yeah. Discussion time. I was laughing at the beginning of the year because I was like, oh, Sabathun's in hiding. I'm hoping we don't hear from her a whole lot this year. Which technically was true. There was nothing deliberately that spoke out as Savathun until the fucking end. And then it was Savathun all along. Uh, but I I actually I was actually excited about Season of the Hunt. And that's primarily because I'm I'm so over Savathun. I wanna jump into the hive god of war like i i want to fight zivu so bad right now and i have for a while because like the, the thing with zivu is that it if we fight her army we're still giving her power and if we don't fight her army she just annihilates us she gets more power like there's no way to win unless we just brute force better than she can and she's going about her strategy in a very unique way it's not just brute force like oh i'm gonna send a shit ton of hive the wrathborn hunts those were her it, it's almost like she took a note from savathun's book and was dealing with that well, I wonder also when we I brought this up uh, a couple episodes ago, um, but I wonder if she can make people fight even if they don't want to. Right. And I bring that up about like Osiris making bad decisions, especially when it came to uh, him fighting on his own when he lost Sagira. Right. Um, in Immolent Part 2. Like, if Zivu was forcing him to fight. Yeah. I don't know how much of that, like, poor decision-making was him and how much of that was... Zivu's influence. Zivu's influence at that point. And if there was... And if Zivu has that kind of influence, like, Savathun has the influence to, you know, make people 
Savathun doesn't have to do anything. Savathun just has to be like, oh right. yeah, like look at me. I'm just I I'm just being cunning. And then people just like pass it along. Like she doesn't have to do shit. Right. Can Zivu do that? Can Zivu just be like, go fight each other? I don't have to do anything. Or like go fight. Well, and I I think that's part of where the Wrathborn hunts come in. Right. Like, she just instilled so much aggression in the the Wrathborns that like they fought for her and fed her worm. Right. And and that's the thing. Like I I need to dive back into that lore book, uh, Call of the Cryptolith, because I think it actually pointed out that they were getting more aggressive while still being cognizant of it because it it might just be that it's not that she forced them to fight it's that she just made them so aggressive that fighting was the only mental option in their their mind but i i don't know it's you're right when it comes to zivu i think and i am interested to see where that kind of takes us i do want to yeah. And that's why I, I'm 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 ready to move past Sabathun. I'm ready to kind of move past the hive in general. Well, like at, at this point, the only enemies that we really have are Scorn, Taken, Hive, and Vex. Looking at um Season of the Chosen and Season of the Splicer and stuff, it's interesting to see I don't know, like Kayatal. I what were you even impressed with how Osiris handled Zavala with Kayatal at all? It, honestly, nothing stood out. Nothing stood out to me either because I feel like Zavala could have done it without Osiris. He could have, but if I remember correctly, it seemed like Osiris was just interjecting whenever he could. So, like, it, it might not have even been that Zavala was coming to Osiris. It was more of Osiris, as, you know, Savathun, was going to Zavala and saying, hey, we could do it this way. Just planting that that idea in his head. I think for a lot of... I'm trying to remember back to the Empress lore book and remembering back to Umunarath. She was the advisor for Kayatl. And that's how, yeah... Um, that brought Zivu Wrath to Tora Bottle. She's the one that she's the one that brought the fall of Tora Bottle, yes. and that was the whole reason that Tora Bottle fell in the first place was because of her. Yes. Yeah. Like when she got that that Hive book and she was reading it, she just went off the rails. Really, you could blame the death of Sagira on Umunarath. Well, yeah. Because, like, Zivu Arath wouldn't have been out in the open and around if it wasn't for her, I think. But then again, it all can be boiled back down to Savathun. Yeah. Like, Savathun planted the book that Umunarath yeah. read. And if it didn't go to her, it would have gone to somebody else. Mm-hmm. She would have found a way. Yep. But looking at the Splicer season, season of Splicer. Season 14. Uh, yeah, season 14. 
that was both my favorite and least favorite story. Why would you say that? So I loved the whole Elixni aspect of it. I loved that there was conflict but and and there ended up being resolution at the end on that front. The only I guess the only big issue that I had was the fact that they downplayed Quiria. He ended up being a seasonal end boss. And all throughout Destiny, he was kind of... He seemed like this bigger deal. Mm -hmm. And we just didn't get that big deal. Really? Like, he, he was a, a, a expunge boss for expunged Delphi, I want to think. Maybe. That was a uh, short one, Delphi was. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it just, it seemed like Quiria was a big deal. You know, it, it was this thing that was helping Savathun learn how to take, and it was controlling some of her, her forces, but then she just relegated it to being a decoy that we killed right i I just i i I just feel that it was downplayed it was downplayed i think you're right i don't want to say like every part of every season was like it could have been more like that it feels cheap to be like everything could have been more like it couldn't have been more you can't have everything be more like right yeah, and and because then the parts that, that are important, yeah, you can't have because then the parts that are important, like won't stand out if everything could be more. Right, but and, and I get yeah, that. it was just with Quiria being you know one of the big tools that Sabathun had, and with Witch Queen coming up because it had mm-hmm. already been announced at that point. Yeah. That is one thing I do agree with you, though. I just felt that, like, Quiria was going to be an awesome dungeon boss or something. Yeah. And... That is one thing I do feel like was wasted. Yeah. For how long we had Quiria, it it was... It could have been... It could have been a dungeon boss or could have been more of a... But then again, like, looking back at Quiria in retrospect, okay? Yeah, Okay. Its importance was instilled in us by Oryx's Books of Sorrow and the fact that there were a couple taken that had the blank of Quiria or touched by Quiria or whatever, favored by Quiria in the name. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's where the importance of it came from, because if if you're going to see a boss of a quest or an adventure or something reference another character that character is a big deal right but for all we know like savathun might have just seen it as oh yeah it's 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 my roommate's dog like i was gonna say it's my pet whatever it's my hamster it's my hamster coria what up it, not <laughs> not even her own hamster like it, it oh yeah that's that's my roommate's hamster i just i play with it every now and then it's my it's my roommate's chinchilla, Coria. <laughs> right. Like there she might not have had that Im- Im- sense of importance because she needed it for a specific purpose. She got the purpose right. done and pff, mm-hmm. just get rid of it now. 
Oryx is like, this is my precious chinchilla aquarium. <laughs> Let me reference it all the time. Savathun's like, yeah, fuck this thing. <laughs> Here, I'm just going to stick it in this like weird mission. Oryx is like, I shall give you my pet chinchilla. <laughs> awesome. I bestow upon you lemmykins. <laughs> Where's that shoebox? My taken chinchilla, Coria. Folks, in no way do we actually mean to put a chinchilla in a shoebox or do any harm to animals. It's a taken chinchilla. They don't, you can't get one of those. Those are only in the... Says you. <laughs> Where are you getting a taken chinchilla? I want one. My brother had a chinchilla named Alvin. See, you're... It was really cute. See, you're using taken as a descriptor, and I'm using taken as the action I'm doing to the chinchilla. What? I'm taking the chinchilla. No! <laughs> my chinchilla. Dude, <laughs> they're so soft. Kind of stinky, though. They like little dust baths, and they do like a little, like... Shaky shake. They're so cute. Shake shake. Um, uh -huh. We've gotten so distracted. Oh my god. Sorry. ADHD. Right? <laughs> okay. So season of the lost. Um, this is season. Uh, I. The. Some of has been like. Hanging out in her weird cocoon. Doing nothing. She's just been like what? blinking threateningly at me. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the issue is that there isn't a sense of urgency. No, because the season was so long, I've like forgotten everything. Well, the season was long. Going into the season, we knew where it was headed. Right. It's it's like watching Star Wars Episode Four and then going back and watching the prequels. Like you know. That it's it's heading a certain direction. Uh huh. And it's just. So I do have to say that when I watched Star Wars, I watched the prequels first, because I'd never seen Star Wars. I've been meaning to watch it in the machete order. The what order? So you watch four and five. Okay. You get to the point where. Vader says, Luke, I am your father. Okay. And then you go back and watch the prequels so that it's like, oh, you're left on that cliffhanger of, is he really the father? And then you actually get to the point where the twins are born. They go their separate ways. And then you continue your story. Oh. That way, it's not Vader's story. You're watching Luke's story. And there just happens to be three or two or three movies, you can keep episode one if you want. Um, but there ends up being two or three movies that are kind of like the backstory of Luke's father rather than, you know, the backstory of Anakin. Oh. It, it's all perspective. Oh. But anyway, so yeah. Oh, the one thing I did forget to actually add in the show notes, Savathun hmm. gave Crow Aldrin's memories. Oh, that's kind of a big one. How did you not add that? I was wondering where that was. I forgot. <laughs> because yeah, it happened so long ago. 
He didn't forget. He remembers now. <laughs> he knows. But how do you think that changes him? It freaked him out. Well, like, I remember like that. In the immediate, he's still trying to right. figure out who he is. Yeah. In the long run, I don't think it's going to affect him. In the long run, I think it makes him a better person because a because he sees what he doesn't want to be. It gives him perspective. Like we never really talked about this. Um, we did and we didn't because a lot of his story now has been broken up over a bunch of different lore books. Yeah, it gives him perspective now of what he's done. Like he knows the entirety of Forsaken Prince now, and. I think he, he remembers what he lost with Jolion and that friendship when he was younger, too. Because I think he got all of those re- memories back as well. Yeah. Because when he was younger, he was like we I think we're, I remembered when we talked about it that he was kind of a good person. Oh, he was. And he had those. He had he had the makings of a guardian like mm-hmm. he had those traits. It was just he could have been a, whenever he was dealing with guardians themselves, he was an asshole because he didn't trust them. Right. No. And seeing how guardians act, I don't blame him. Right. A lot of times. Right. Guardians are assholes. Especially with how like, they treated him after he got risen. Like, yeah. Some of that torture porn was just. Mm. But all of that brings up this final question. What makes a guardian a guardian? And I added this into the show notes because that was the final question in the interactive trailer. And it's a good question. Of what makes a guardian a guardian. Because now we have these hive light bearers because they have the light. Mm-hmm. And I think for the longest time, for the last six years that we've had Destiny, we assumed that just having the light meant you were a guardian. And that's not true. And then we had the darkness as well. Right. Did that make us not guardians anymore? Right. Because that's bullshit. We were still guardians, even though we're throwing stasis everywhere. And I mean, the man with the golden gun would argue, no, you're no longer a guardian if you're now hucking stasis at people. And Anora would also agree that, you know, maybe you shouldn't be using stasis because, you know, the praxic orders entire point is to keep darkness out of guardians hands but the vanguard is like no you can use darkness now because it's a tool it's not necessarily an an evil thing It, it ultimately boils down to the fact that the vanguard is evolving their stance on light and dark along with us yeah and so Besides those two things, like, that also leaves, like, Shaira, who's kind of the next generation's, you know. Shin like, Malfer Jr. Dred Jr. Yeah, exactly. Um, Shin Malfer Jr. <laughs> <laughs> that took you a moment. Yeah. Sorry, my brain kind of like stuttered to a halt when I heard that. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, accurate. (laughs) Yeah. But. 
But yeah, I mean, you have, she's now, because if people are using stasis, she can't have that. So she's losing her mind at the same thing. So what makes a guardian a guardian? Because she clearly, she's a guardian, but is she? Right. I would argue that she's not because she's just off killing guardians for and using stasis and they're good people like her her teammate her her fire team like mate is off saving elixni with stasis right and and that's why for me personally i boil it down to the ideology guardians are protecting humanity now like We've expanded the concept of humanity to include, you know, Cabal, Elixni, Exos, Awoken, like all of our allies. But it boils down to the fact that Guardians are trying to preserve life. And I think that's going to be where the difference is. The Hive have the light, but they're using it for malicious purposes. Right. And, and like you pointed out, the light, the dark. It's all just a tool. It's how you use the tool and what you use the tool for. Right. And I think that's why I have such a hard, like I've, I've had a few bitch fits about people calling them hive guardians because they're not about protecting or preserving life or anything. I make the clear distinction that they're hive light bearers. I don't think they're about, like, I think the Guardians, like, if we want to be, like, specific about what Guardians are, it's about protecting, like, the last city and humanity and the Awoken, you know, and now the Elixni that are under our protection, too. You know, if we want to be more specific, like, life on Earth, we'll put it that way. Well, and, and even more than that, like... And the and if we'll say the dreaming city also we'll we'll put the all reef. of that the reef we'll say the reef and you know every all the worlds under our protection the solar system our protection our our shit just to clarify a little yeah like I would specifically word it as you know protecting humanity and its allies okay yeah because like that includes. Because the Cabal are now under right. our protection. What? That is such a weird concept. What? Like, fuck. But like, like you've got the Elixni under our protection. You've got the... the Part of the Elixni. I need to be really specific about this because it's not all Elixni. Right. Because people are like, it's all Elixni. Are our no. friends now. And I'm like, no, bitch, it's not. There's, there's still... like. A splinter it's one group house out there. of the elixir. It's not a splinter group. It's most elixir are out there. Well, because most elixir were headed to Europa. It's one splinter group. It's one splinter group is out there. But most elixir were headed to Europa to become part of uh, House Salvation, and it was House Light that was stealing them away when they realized we didn't want to be part of House Salvation. Like Aramis was trying in her own way to become Kel of Kells. Right. She did unite the Elixni, but under malicious pretenses. Right. And it was Mithrax that was trying to save essentially the Elixni's souls. Right. But so I I still think that there's actually a splinter group or even 
I mean, it, I'm, I'm willing to even say that Mithrax's group is that splinter group. Yeah, they are the splinter group, but the majority of Elixni are not in that group. I'm hoping we get some actual resolution to that this coming year. It would be nice. But, like, until then, like, they're not. Right. Like, it's just, like, house dusk all over again, which is just the house devils. Like, you can change the colors. It's still just the same group. Yep. Like, I don't know. Like, people can just, like, come at us and just be like, no, it's all of them. It's not. Seriously, come on. It it ultimately boils down to the fact that there are still Elixni out there not under the city's protection. Yeah. The ones in the city are. Heck, Spider's group. But, like, don't... Yeah. And, I mean, Spider's going to be gone with his own group. They're going to be gone, too. Yep. You know, tucked safely away in their vault. Oh, God. (sighs) Anywho. Orchid. Yeah, I don't know. You got any shout-outs? But... I'm not done with my final question. LMS. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap things up because we're already looking at almost two hours. I know. But no, a guardian is a fucking... It's... It's... Like, I don't... I'm sure we're going to find some hive that are on our side. If they've been exercised of their, their worm, yeah. We might. Like... Which is just going to make the lines even more blurry, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping. I'm really hoping for that. That's what I want to see next season. Is that I want to see a hive with the light. Say, I don't want this. Like, to be on their side. They want to be on our side. That would really flip things on its head. I really want that. It would be cool. Because, like, I honestly think that things are not black and white at all. Things are just a gray area. Yep. And, like, it's a lot of this is a morality question. It's all about having your own opinion and, you know, being okay with being able to voice it. And that's what's so great about open-ended questions like this. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I mean, like, let us know what you think a guardian is. I'm interested in knowing. (laughs) Like, if you think just having the light makes you a guardian, like, cool. I mean, I personally don't, but. And if you think Hawthorne is a guardian, she doesn't have the light, but I mean, she has all the traits of being a guardian. And she's protected uh, humanity before. Yeah, I mean, she's more of a guardian than many people. She and Amanda. And Banshee. And Banshee, yeah. All of them. Oh my god, Banshee. Clovis Bray himself. (laughs) Oh god, when you put it that way. Clovis Bray himself, yeah. Um, More of a guardian than most people. How fucked up is that? Especially most of the people I find in the Crucible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I do have shout out shout outs to um I had a rough few weeks on uh Twitter. Um 
so to those people who were kind enough to reach out to me and make sure I was okay. Thank you very much uh, to the rest of you chuckle fucks who uh, contributed to that. That's it. How about you, Almas? Uh, so for my shout outs, uh, it's going to be a shout out to you and Me. my brother. Because you both have, you both have had some rough, rough dealings lately. Oh. And I just want both of you to know that the love is still there. No, thank you. So, this is the part of the episode where we like to give special thanks. The audio for this episode was produced by Rindle Zivas. You can find him on Twitter at Rindle Zivas. The artwork and music in this episode is copyright Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive into Destiny Lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They are the resource we use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. I was waiting for it. I was just like seeing if you were going to do it yourself. <laughs> um, and final reminders, you can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore at Orchid or at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast, which includes Spotify now. And if you do, let us know about it. We like reading it. Or you jump into our Discord. The, ep- the link is down in the episode description. But if you want to type it all out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. And finally, if you're feeling generous, you can donate to us on Ko-Fi, and that's ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps. Thank you for your generosity. All right, Orchid. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Take care. Otters. Splish, splash. <laughs>